Welcome back to Carl's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the final short story in the Sword of Destiny collection, Something More. And the final short story before we get into the saga as a whole, there's technically still one more short story to cover. However, even though it was published before the books, uh, you know, the core novels, I do honestly believe that it works better as a uh, palate cleanser of the tragedy of the novels um it's a non-canonical alternate ending as it were i know that's not what it is intended to be but i think it works best that way so whenever i have people read it and um, when i read it i always read that right after lady of the lake so we will be covering something and something begins after lady of the lake so we have quite a ways to go before we get to that final short story but for all intents and purposes this is the final one especially because it's the final one with an actual english translation um, and what a wonderful story it is. This is the culmination of everything. Everything we've been building, all the various short stories, um, you know, Geralt as a character, Ciri as a character, Jennifer as a character, uh, there is something larger on the horizon, and there's just this general sense that, yeah, shit's gonna get real. But what I love about this series, and I think is one of the core strengths of Witcher, is that it's micro-storytelling. I think I explained this to Josh a little bit, but, you know, macro-style stories like Game of Thrones or something, you know, focus on the big, major events, um, and micro-storytelling is much more down-to-earth, focused on, you know, just how those major events affect certain people. And one thing that I've always thought Babylon 5 is really good at was combining micro and macro storytelling into one. It was actually very clever in it, uh, in the way it did it. Um, I, I think I talked about when I was talking about Babylon 5, uh, that, um, you know, uh, JMS isn't, you know, for all intents and purposes, he was two different shows he had in mind, knew he couldn't do the budget, so he morphed them into one. Uh, and so it's that big scale stuff, but focused on the lives of these people living in a small tin can in the middle of space while the big things go on around them and how that affects them and how they affect the events um and so with the witcher it's even more it, you know it doesn't even bother with the macro until <laughs> hell you know later novels and even then it's very minor compared to the way other series would do it's intently focused on Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri and their journey and this has seemed very you know, wonderfully here, you know, a war happened. A war broke out that changed everything. You know, uh, the Battle of Sodden, a, 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 an event we're going to come back to time and time again. The slaughter of Sentra, uh, you know, the Nilfgaardian invasion, uh, Calanthe's death, the, you know, uh, the scorched earth of the Nilfgaardians. All of this is in the background. It is much more about Geralt and him finally learning from his mistakes. He he's a very flawed person. Um and uh you know he was he denied destiny multiple times and he has denied himself multiple times. Destiny alone is insufficient. It's too little. Something more is required. Something more is it, it can be interpreted in many ways um you know siri is the something more of this story however something more can also be a bit more of an ethereal concept of uh free will of love um you know that that 
all of this combined, destiny does not determine everything. Um, and that's a core point of this is that can you buck destiny? Can you get rid of it? And, and, um, should you, and what are the consequences of that? Um, and we see that on a much more micro scale when Calanthe talks to Geralt about the trial of grasses and how, you know, would a child of destiny survive it? Because only, you know, a select, you know, amount of kids, you know, survive the trial of grasses. So would a child of destiny be guaranteed survival? Um, and, and so this entire idea that destiny is a very real concept in this universe, but you are, you still have free will. You still have choice, you still have consequences, and everything that is wrapped up in that. Um, which means that you can buck destiny, and should you, and can you really do it? Um, and, um, and that destiny does not form the bond. It is the, uh, it is the first string in a several largely threaded bond. Um... And, and that, that scene no more perfectly than, you know, Geralt keeps turning Ciri down. Turn it down in Sword of Destiny. He didn't know that it was her uh, back when he first went to retrieve the Trial of Destiny, but decided not to after his conversation with Calanthe. Um, and uh, he then went to attempt to retrieve her, and then enough Guardians invaded. And so, like, you know, he keeps turning her down, but he keeps bumping into her in some way. Um you know, events conspire to get them together. Um, and is that some greater force or is that just merely happenstance and it's slowly forming a bond that is stronger than any magical force. And that bond, of course, is love between a parent and a child. Um, and that, that, that is one of the core themes, I think, of The Witcher, but also just really at the heart of this story. Uh, you know, you have Yennefer... Uh, at uh, Beltane celebration with Geralt. And w what's so lovely about this is that they had broken up and then they found each other again. And they wanted to resist getting back together, but then they couldn't. And there's just this sense of they're both so stubborn and in control, but the moment they get around each other, that just sort of melts away and reveals something greater in them something they can't quite comprehend something that they don't understand and with each other they find meaning and purpose but yet there is something deeper there a wound that has not healed between you know between Yen and Geralt of you know the Beltane is this May Day celebration it's a celebration of life and magic and fertility and they're both infertile and they're now you know constantly reminded of that and you know, that they need something more to keep them together, that there is, they're missing something. They love each other dearly, but there is an insufficient amount. The, you know, something I talked about that, you, you know, in Babylon 5 a lot, is that there is no way to match someone's love for you. That uh, there always will be an imbalance there, no matter how much you care for the person. And so you have Gennifer and girls who care in intensely for each other, but they need something there to really bind that love, because otherwise the love will just continue to fluctuate. It, you know, it 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 goes in and it goes out, and it just it never ends. And there needs to be something to 
stake it into the ground and keep it there. Of course, that is the love of a child, the one thing they cannot have, the one thing that they both want and cannot and are destined to not, and by their own sort of flaws and inherent inability to move on and change that they fail to see the value in each other even though they care so intensely about each other that is the tragedy of them and they need something to keep them stake them down put them together in one spot and finally admit things to each other and this the, the sense of you know can you go about your life flitting about, you know, um, and uh, ignore your responsibilities? Can you ignore who you are at the core? Can you ignore your quote-unquote destiny or anything like that? Is seen in Vicenna. Vicenna, you know, um, as we talked about in Red Renew Return, has a lot of parallels to Geralt. And this it becomes explicit because he meets her... There's the, you know, impetus, you know, never outright said, but it's very, like, blatant, you know, that it is, that, that she is his mother. And she, you know, left him. That, you know, he as he says, Masek was lying. I'm not a child of surprise. I'm not a child of destiny. I was just foundling. I was just abandoned. And he wants, he's confronted with a woman who seems to care but almost just like him can't really find it within herself to admit it and is just stuck between what she wants to be what she is and what she thinks he is and that's Geralt as well he is stuck between what he wants to be what he is and what he thinks he is um and they they parallel each other perfectly and that scene within of itself is just so goddamn powerful of how do you like my eyes um it's just this entire thing of uh that they they both love and hate each other and this is this sad melancholic joy as well as anger that boils in Geralt when he sees her and he doesn't know how to comprehend it and I think somewhere deep down he realizes that's how Siri feels. And he doesn't want Siri to feel like he does. Uh, and so that finally pokes him out of that goddamn stupid, uh, you know, comfort blanket that he wears around him and really picks him back up and says, okay, we got to do something about this. Um, and it is, it's an intense scene. And I think uh, for uh, many adopted children i'm sure that is very relatable i am not adopted but it is uh certainly something i can see uh, being very relatable because even then having had struggles with parents you know every kid eventually has problems with that that trying to still say you care but also draw a line in the sand is not easy uh, and often fills you with guilt and sadness and anger all at the same time. And you don't know how to deal with it. Um, Geralt's chat with death is so wonderful because it's it's breaking Geralt down. That he is this 
you know, Witcher, he has no, he claims he has no emotions and he kills monsters and he gets paid and that's it. He's a phony, as I've talked about over and over and over again. He, that goddamn comfort blanket he wears around himself and in here, um, death just obliterates him, just like Kanathi obliterated him. You know, you are you 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 fear so much. You're afraid of yourself, of the world, of destiny, of love, of Yen, of Siri, of everything. He's afraid, and it's only when he thinks that he has lost every meaning, everything that means anything to him, Yen and Siri, that he finally opens up, um, and, you know, uh, he finally turns around, as Death says, you finally looked behind you to see what was dogging your footsteps. Um, and there's this implication that maybe that chat didn't happen. He is on hallucinatory drugs. Um, you know, he, uh, he is, you know, you know, recovering and he passed out. So there's a chance that it didn't happen, but at least in his head it did. And regardless, that, that was his true wake up call. Every scene in this deal, every flashback is a punch in the gut to Geralt to say, wake the fuck up and finally admit who you are, and what Siri is to you, what Yin is to you, and finally start living your life. Because what you're living right now isn't a life. And I think that is seen brilliantly at the very beginning, when Jurga's having uh, the problem and he he's there to solve it, but he's just kind of, like, I, he wants to help, but he doesn't know how, he doesn't know if he should, and then he calls, you know, a, a price, and he doesn't want Yurka to actually have a have a debt so he he calls the law of surprise and just says forgo it you know and he's effectively searching for death he's got a death wish because he has nothing left as far as he's concerned this his life is at an end he has been on the same route the same circular life for as long as he's, you know, uh, been around, it's it's tiring. He, everything he loved and cared about is gone. It's Ouroboros is sticking its teeth into its own tail. That eventually this life has to come to an end. And in that death, uh, that quote-unquote death wish, when he gets what he thinks he wants, he has shown that that is not what he really wants. And what he really wants is somewhere still out there waiting for him to choose. And it's just so, so powerful and so, so great a story. Um, and every, every aspect of it just clinks in the place of we have built Geralt over these short stories, over these two, you know, collections, and we've established him um, and his fallibilities and his strengths. And we pick that apart one by one in this story. Just little by little we chip away until that outburst at the end of you're more than that, Siri. You're much more. Because finally the emotional core, the thing he was missing, true and honest care, love, a family, finally within his grasp and he's finally realized that's what was missing that his life was meaningless without it um and that is just so great and that's why the, the your emotions run high at the end of this this short story is just 
it feels so perfect and it's one moment of perfect beauty in the in a, a term of b5 that this is everything we have been waiting for over the course of these short stories that this was the big moment this is the moment where everything finally clicks for Geralt and um, he can finally start becoming the character uh, that I know him to be um, and but he still has these flaws he has to work through that's that's part of the deal and um you know siri being so firm in her destiny so believing that she you know the the, the whatever happened the sort of destiny that she is firmly the chosen one you know that's that comes with a sense of sadness to um both joy and sadness joy for the first uh, for a person first reading this and going oh cool you know she it's very rare to have a chosen one character so firmly believe in their destiny um and so willingly give themselves to that but this is not a classic chosen one narrative and uh the sadness at least for me comes from the fact that what she really wanted her destiny doesn't want her to have and that destiny means a lot of crap is coming her way her life is not going to be easy and it's only going to get worse but there's one bright spot right here with Geralt eventually Yennefer and that is what she wants she wants that family they all three of them are looking for each other and that is the core of the saga a mother a father and a daughter stuck in a world that is so indifferent to them does not give a shit about their feelings their wants their needs strips away their free will and their agency makes the world abuse them and look down upon them but they three find meaning in each other life is a tumultuous you know series of events that can both hurt us and lift us up um and sometimes you know it feels like everything is piling on top of you that your atlas holding the world together on your shoulders but if you can find one person to help you carry that weight maybe life is worth it and that is the core of the saga to me and the, this this short story demonstrates it perfectly um i have not met a single person who did not at least marginally tear or tear up at the you're more than that series you're much more uh the ending is so perfect and it's just an overwhelming sense of emotion and you know we now live in a world where the netflix series thought eh who cares which is just insulting but you know i try and ignore that series anymore especially after season two that that show is dead um and you know there, there's so many ramifications outside of you know the core family in this short story of everything going on tris being dead uh you know quote unquote on uh, if you're a game fan you know that she's pretty important but she's also has some role to play in this book uh, in, in the book series in, in the in the saga and so there are some situations coming down the line that she is not dead 
uh, that uh, Lita Neid, um, you know, she's uh, she's dead, but there's uh, there's a prequel novel season of Storms that will pick up on that deal where you know she she once ratted him out the King Delahoon. Um, stuff like that of the the Battle of Sodden and the legacy that that left the the twenty two sorcerers who stood on the hill, and the fourteen who died, um, and how everybody owes a debt to those those mages and how that's going to feed into that sort of decadent culture that I talked about previously. You know that the world is changing that the. Nilfgaard is on the horizon. It's scorched earth. They're 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 taking everything. Uh, they slaughtered Sintra. Um, you know, the, it took them forever to get in, but when they found it, everybody was dead. They either killed themselves, poisoned themselves, or like in Calanthe's case, thrown themselves from a Terrence and just died because uh, they did not want to suffer at the hands of what they see as nothing but brutish animals and you basically have a sense you know as Geralt says you know war is always brutal war is always messy there is no goodness in war what are people talking about and Deadline can see it it scares the living shit out of him that uh you know that the world is not what it was it seems darker it seems gloomier than it was before um and that one light, that one speck of hope in the world is Geralt, Ciri, and Yennefer together as a family. Uh, and that in despite of all of this, we can find hope, you know, a light in the darkness. Um, and the Dunny and Pavetta, you know, are, are said to have uh, been lost at sea. Um, because of my uh, spoiler deal of if it's a Netflix show, you know, I put this in spoilers uh, back when I was doing Last Wish because season 2 hadn't aired but season 2 has aired and that's the big cliffhanger of the season you know Dunny is Amir he's the, the emperor of Nilfgaard so we have not seen the last of him and the story of how he was lost at sea and what happened to Pavetta and why Ciri wasn't on that ship is all very important and we're going to be coming back to that quite a bit um, and there's this you know uh uh, there, there's just this sense that nothing is going to be the same again. Um, and just like at the end of Chrysalis in Babylon 5, you know, nothing's the same anymore. Um, everything has changed, not just in the world, but the status quo of the series. Now Geralt is a father. Um, and he that comes with pros and cons and many, many responsibilities. And he's going to have to change. Ciri's going to have to change. Yennefer is going to have to change if they're going to make this work. This series is only just beginning. Uh, these short stories, I, I always consider it like a prologue to the, the real stuff. The saga is the meat of the story. It's my favorite part. It's those five books, you know, because Season Storms is a prequel, doesn't really, you know, fall into the saga. Um, you know, these short stories are great. Uh, and well written and beautiful in many ways and have so many great, wonderful themes and characters running through them. The saga, those core five books, that pentology, it's on another level. You know, we've just kicked the high gear. Um, I, I think the best way to explain it is in in correspondence to this, you know, uh, podcast. You know, season one of Babylon Five is great stuff. Oh, uh, it has some hiccups here and there, but for the most part, it's pretty good stuff. 
Uh, but it's it's just the prologue. It's just the beginning. It's going to get even bigger and better and wonderful and just amazing later. You know, as those five seasons demonstrate. And that's the case here. The, the, the short stories are just the beginning. Just the prologue uh, to what's coming. Um, and I think it's very important that one of the key lines in this story and the key line you know throughout the rest of the saga is destiny alone is insufficient something more is required i think that is very important because we are going into a deconstruction of chosen one stories of destiny of uh of everything in that regard and so that is important to keep in mind that she you know siri is much more than destiny she's a daughter she is something more much more. I shall see you next time for us beginning the actual novels with Blood of Elves, once again doing chapter by chapter. So Blood of Elves chapter one. Till then, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>